Hello and welcome to the Home Mrs. Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got my co-host with me, Rohan. Hello. Hey, hey. And today I'm joined by another Melbourneian, Aussie. Thanks for joining us, John. How's it going? Howdy. As usual, this episode of the Home Assistant Podcast is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and the ESP Home projects. Configuration is done via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right, John. So uh, you sent him probably one of the longest emails we've received for someone that's wanted to reach out and come on as a guest about a year ago now. Um, and I have been just waiting to get to your name on the list um, because there's everything on the list I just want to touch, like I just want to talk to you about, right? Um, and, of course, you're in Melbourne, which is good for me because, you know, I can now relate to some of the stuff, some of the issues you've had, some of the uh, constraints you've had with local supply and all that. Um, but, yeah, so... This could be long, could be short. Let's we'll get into it. So first, let's give it a bit of a, a background. Who you are? How did you get started with home automation in general, and and how did you get into home assistant? Yeah, so John, uh, you know, my journey began. You know, as a child, you know, I had a fascination for science fiction movies where you know I was captivated by futuristic technologies. You know, like automated sliding mm. doors, blinking control panels, neon lights. So couple that with my interest in technology, it kind of sparked an obsession within me since I could remember. So around, probably around 10 years ago, my wife and I, we embarked on renovating the family home and I had a good opportunity because we gutted the whole house. So I ran over 300 metres worth of network cable. Nice. Um, at the time, I was thinking about yeah. automation, but it was very expensive. So I put the idea on hold. But, you know, you finish reno, if you're living in a house for three years, and I found myself constantly flicking switches off throughout the house. I felt like a circus juggler. As I'm walking in the house, <laughs> I'm switching off the kids' bedroom lights off, the hall. And so it gave me a, a good reason, or more so an excuse, to look into automated parts of the home. Yep. So my background, so it's always been in technology. So um, uh, IT service delivery and operations manager uh, by trade. And uh, mm -hmm. I couldn't resist at the time, so I ran a market review on the available product. Um, and I had it against a key selection criteria, and it was pretty simple in terms of just needs to be simple and reliable, cost-effective uh, in terms of just being reasonable to be priced. And I've been caught out as well. Cheap is not always the best as well, I've noticed, and I've flipped yeah. the hard way. Um, eventually, eventually, I settled on the Vera controller system uh, where I purchased a bunch of AOTX Z-Wave switches, um, a siren, a couple of motion sensors to manage also just the common areas of the home. Um, and I also built my own like custom alarm system. So at the time, one of the most valuable aspects was that the Vera platform did actually have a community and there were some smart people out there that were developing plugins and integrations. And that allowed me to build relay boards where I would roll out 12-volt lighting throughout the house relatively cheaply. But nice. alas, you know, over time, you know, you know the, the system grows and it was lacking, but it was lacking in terms of... Um, uh, the community participation in terms of it was dropping because there wasn't much that was actually being supported um, from that platform. For me, the last year was when I did a firmware update and it just bricked my system. So mm. uh, luckily yeah. I had a backup controller, which was one of the entry-level ones. But it it really made me start thinking about, okay, let's look at what else is around there. And a work colleague recommended Home Assistant. 
So I spun up an instant as instance as people do to have a bit of a play around with it. To my surprise, I just discovered how effortless it was to integrate devices, you know, stuff that was just in the too hard basket, the old system. Yeah. So, you know, Home Assistant, I'm a big fan of it. You know, the add-ons, the integrations are impressive. You know, it's backed by a talented team, you know, and the individuals within the community who also share their knowledge and expertise just to make things happen, you know. So in a nutshell, you know, outside the standard automation, you know, applications, you know, adding uh, an investment in a 3D printer as well kind of enabled me to satisfy my obsession in developing projects which, you know, just building stuff which was once considered make-believe into, yeah. like, you know, you make-believe in, in movies into stuff that's in reality in today's terms. So good. That's cool. Have you, when you were deciding, um, when you had the house gutted and you were looking into automation, yep. did you look into any, uh, like, commercial systems, any of the advanced, you know, like, not DIY solutions? Yeah. The the only one that I was aware of was CBUS, and that was prohibitively expensive. And obviously, yes. I think you yeah. needed to, I think you need to be credited to roll that sort of stuff out as well. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, it's some of those ones are very intense, right? Like you need professionals to build it out and those kind of things yeah. too, right? So, I know you'd be at work in one of the boardrooms, you know, projector screen comes down, things open, close, and I'm like, wow, I'd love to have that yeah. in my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, again, it's not, it's not. That's the thing, right? That's the cool part about having an open project is somebody's probably done that right it's not just uh like you don't necessarily need the big i mean crestron or like those kind of systems right so yeah that's right that's um, right the way i've approached it as well um it's got a really good platform in terms of you know you've got your scheduling layer you know where you can set scheduling all your routines um i -hmm. use a mixture of uh obviously the built-in schedule but i'm a big node red fan i'm obsessed with it um, yeah. And also, you got you know, your messaging layer through FGTT. Anything's possible. Yeah. 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 No, totally agree. So, what kind of, uh, like, I mean, let's just start with what are you doing? Like, what was the main driver for this? I mean, is it the shiny thing? Is it the, like, so obviously in your, in your house, right? So, you talked about, like, hey, you had that future. You, like, you grew up watching a lot of those, like, uh, sci fi yeah. movies and stuff like that. Is that what you wanted or? Was there a practical, like, hey, you know, like, I, I, you know, have the need for home security or I have the need for something else? Where did, like, how did that process yeah. go for you? So originally it was practicality in terms of just being able to control lights and switching them off from a cost-saving point of view. But also mm-hmm. security was a big factor as well. I invested in a, uh, you know, your standard DVR system, you know, so you've got uh, cameras around the house. Uh, but yeah. also having the ability to... Um, build uh, an alarm monitoring system was key for myself. The off the um, shelf products, like I know Bosch had a really good one at the time, but you're limited to three to five motion sensors. And from my point, because yeah. I've got I'm from a like a European background, big is best. So if I can put a motion sensor in every brew, I will. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um yeah. and it's, it's that's what enabled me to really further expand and uh, expand the, the system and make it as complex as I felt. Mm. Nice. Okay. And do you think you've gotten to that stage where it is super complex and like, uh, or or are your automation still like simple yet practical kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I like to think that I've 
the way I've designed it, it's simple to add things on. Enhance us when things get out of control. You start building yeah. and this thing just expands like crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So what are you currently, what's your current tech stack for Home Assistant? How are you running it today? Have you got just yep. a Raspberry Pi or have you gone and had to go further? So I start off, I've got a Raspberry Pi 4 and I'm mm-hmm. thrashing this little unit. I can't believe it's still running considering the amount of add-ons that I've got on it. I'm running through eight cameras through it um, using Frigate. Oh, wow. um, yeah. You know, with over about, I'll say, I think I did just count, I had over 500 scripts plus about 38 wow. node-grid flows as well. Um, doing everything from, you know, uh, when I refer to the alarm system, uh, you know, taking snapshots of motion, sending it to my mobile, um, uh, audible notifications in the in the home as well. Um, I've built a, in our, in our living room, I've built an entertainment cabinet, um, which I've actually lit up with LED, so each shelf is self-addressable. And so if someone's Ooh, at the nice. front door, as an example, I get a, a a message on the TV stating that there's someone's at the front door. I've got a little uh, monitor which switches on. Um, part of the extra entertainment cabinet turns red. Um, so yep. it gives you that level of granularity of which yeah. that's where I take it to the extreme. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I can just imagine like um, uh, similar to like anything I can really think of is like a Star Trek ship, right? Like just lights in like shelves just going up. Um, yeah, one by one, yeah, you know, to say it's, it's kind of like a visual communication as well. Where um, in the yeah. afternoon and in the morning, I get rather than just getting weather alerts, uh, if it's raining for the day or if it's going to rain for the uh, in the evening, I'll, I'll get a message where not so much a message, I actually do get a message on the TV, but the entertainment cabinet will light up purple if it's going to rain. And it's based on now I've got a link into the Bureau of Meteorology here in Australia. Um, so if it's greater than, uh, I believe, one millimetre uh, uh, of rain, expected rain, and it's 50% chance of rain, then it lights up purple. So excuse the pun, as in purple yes. rain, as in prints. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if it's blue, it's going to be bright blue sky. So it's a nice visual representation where, you know, the kids, when they wake up in the morning, you know, do they need the spray jackets or what have you to, to yeah. go to school, et cetera? Absolutely. And I think um, – I've also used color and just lights around the house for other notifications, like green. If all the lights are green in the house, then that means the washing machine's finished and it hasn't been emptied yet. Or purple, yep. you know, dishwasher's done, need to go empty the dishwasher. Um, I think it's like a nice subtle reminder and way for the house to communicate that, you know, here's, you know, a status for you. Um, so I do – now, you did mention before that you had done um, – some stuff, you know, with the bomb um, and all that. I do want to ask you, though, about yeah. – you had one um, around a Saturn V rocket launch pad. Um, oh, can yes, you yes, yes. tell me about this because this sounds really cool? Yeah. So uh, my youngest, he's, uh, he's a lot older now, but when he was young, obviously he was obsessed with anything space, and we purchased a, uh, one of those huge Lego rocket ships for him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I love – creating work for myself and have uh, these all bright plans. And so I built a, um, a Saturn V rocket launcher. So it was pretty much, it's about one, one and a half metres high, um, of which I mounted the actual rocket on it with the fake bellowing smoke. Nice. And so that's got a... Wow. And I'm, I'm using ESP Home for that one. So I've 3D printed the actual crane mechanism with an yep. OLED screen so that 
If you press as a button, it'll actually give you the weather forecast. Now, depending on the day, so if it's in the morning, it'll give you the current day's weather forecast. But yep. if you press it at anything beyond, I believe, 4 p.m. onwards, it will give you the uh, the following day forecast. So it prints nice. it on the uh, OLED screen, but also it, because I've got linking into all the relevant um, uh, entities which you know, provide that information through the bomb, it'll play it. Uh, or, uh, via Google Home. So there's an audible message as well that goes along with it. And once again, his rocket will light up blue if it's going to be, if it's not, gonna, if it's not raining, or purple if it's going to rain as well. Um, and I'll put in another element in there where he's got a lift off button. So if he presses that, you hear the countdown and it actually, because it's got a self addressable LED in the actual smoke, yeah. um, it actually looks like it's taking off. So, so it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's really cool. That's so cool. I'm just watching the video that you sent uh, right now, and it is so cool. Well, to this yeah, day, I told him, whenever, when so whenever you're tired of it, it's fine. It'll go into my study. It's great. <laughs> I'll yeah. take that off your hands. <laughs> I'm That's still a big cool. kid at heart. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Did you, uh, did you ever, uh, like, like is that something you found online, or is that something you started uh, yourselves, uh, or what? Uh, I blame a work colleague. He just sent me a photo once and said, "Oh, look at this! Isn't this great?" Then I took it that next layer. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I like to, whatever I build, I like to maximize the most out of it. So I've just got a little D1 Mini Arduino that's running ST Home, and I've even yeah. got a motion sensor in there as well. So it's actually part of the uh, the security system. He's got. His motion sensor is in the rocket itself. Right. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. And I failed to mention, I've also got a uh, temperature sensor in there as well, so it, can tra- <gasps> it tracks the temperature inside his room. Nice. Wow. Well, that gets me to a great server for my ex, because I was going to ask you about um, party security uh, for your house. What motion sensors are you using, and are they – so do you use the yep. security motion sensors to then power the automation for no, like – lights turning on or off and what is the protocol that those yeah. motion sensors are using so it's a mixture obviously i alluded to earlier on where i started off with the uh, aot the three-in-one sensors and i've still got those and mind you i bought them back in around 2013 2000 so they've been running mm-hmm. quite some time um but what i found was it was starting to get expensive so with z-wave um think of if you wanted to control a light switch or whether it's a motion sensor it was a a flat, approximate seventy, eighty dollar outlay. Yeah, easily. And easily. As, I, yeah. as I alluded to earlier on, as I like to grow things and have everything throughout the house, it, it gets uh, pretty expensive. So I designed and developed. Well, when I say designed and developed, I I looked at what was online, and there's very smart individuals out there that had, you know, Adreno uh, sketches to set up your own motion sensor, set up an yeah. LED controls, controlling relays, et cetera. But I didn't want to have various devices scattered throughout the house, and I wanted to limit the amount of uh, Wi-Fi points that I had um, from the automation yeah. point of view. So I, I just used one of those Arduino um, Megas. So this thing's got like 55 inputs and outputs. And so what I did was I actually grabbed a lot of the information that I found on the web and built my own controller where – I set up all the parameters in the simple spreadsheet with the relevant pins, et cetera. A bit like when you're setting up ESD Home. Click mm-hmm. a button, generates my code. I uh, upload it on the Arduino Mega, and I actually wire these motion sensors, read switches, 
um, relays um, into the actual unit itself. Um, and that really reduces any issues associated with, you know, mesh networks, trying to connect to a via Bluetooth or, or, or Wi-Fi. It's just bulletproof because yeah. it's wide. You send that message, yeah. it goes straight to it. So uh, in answering your question there, so I do have motion sensors, which were the original ones, which I've got in the main areas of the house. But yep. now I've started rolling out uh, motion sensors throughout every other room in the house uh, via the uh, the 18 mega. I was going to say, how many sensors do you have uh, plugged into one of these megas? Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, now I've got some stats here, which I've actually... Okay. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this guy comes with the numbers. Uh, yeah. Jay. So in terms of sensors, I've got multiple read switches. So I've got about seven. Um, as yeah. an example... Uh, I, and I've got two 18 megas. So the way I've planned it out, I've got one which controls the front of the house, the other one that controls the rear of the house. So yeah. uh, one of them which controls, as an example, my garage. Um, not only have I got motion sensors, but I've also got read sensors for, and it's a dual um, garage door, both rear and front. So I know when mm -hmm. the doors are open and closed. Um, so in terms of how many I've got, so... Inside, in terms of the entities, whether it's a read switch, uh, a button, or a temperature sensor, or pressure sensor, I've got about 48 that are hooked in at the moment. And that's like wow. counting the USB home devices. That's just my yeah, Duane yeah. that I've uh, developed myself. And that's, and that's, like you said, it's divided by two, right? Like kind of this, this half of the house, that half of the house kind of thing. Yeah, correct. So I know that wow. in previous podcasts, like Phil, you mentioned that you purchased uh, a garage controller off the shelf. Yep. Um, whereas mine, mate, it's all just running off the uh, Arduino, running off some relays and some read switches. Total cost outlay for me is, I think, a, like a read switch is like six, seven bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the yeah. relay, I bought a 16 relay board for like $16. So it's like a dollar relay. Yeah. yeah. When you so, compare it to, I'm oh, sorry, when you compare it to, you know, $80 per device, uh, there's some yeah. significant cost savings there. Hundred percent. So, how do you wire all of these? Like, is it just do you literally just run wires all through your house, like through the ceiling or uh, something that you fish through? Or yep, yep. So, I'm fortunate in terms of I can actually because when we renovated the house, we basically extended it, but we also went up as well. So, mm -hmm. I can get through the original part of the roof, but I can also run it and run it through the um, the central heating ducts up into the uh, second level uh, roof itself right. as well. And because we've got a period home here, um, I I um, install picture rails throughout the whole house, and um, that's given me the ability to run cables actually inside the picture rail, so you can't even see it. So I can punch little holes the, uh, just above the picture rail where that's how I feed it from the ceiling through the right. picture rail, and then I run the other uh, cables along. So as an example, I run twelve volt LED lighting throughout the house. And yeah. you don't even see it. You don't even notice it. It's just that the picture rails actually light up. They light up the ceiling. And, um, yeah, it works quite effectively. That's so cool. I wish I had the ability to do that. Yeah, that's really smart. Um, just on that 12-volt lighting, so what is the purpose of yep. that and how does it work? So the 12-volt lighting, originally what I've done is um, I actually uh, just bought myself and uh, – here in Australia, and so to understand, we've got our, our local electronic stores is called JCAR. So I bought a couple of solar panels there with some 12-volt batteries. So I was I was charging up 12-volt batteries and just running solar lighting throughout the house. And uh, 
you'll light up the main areas like the hallways, um, uh, the, the main passage areas upstairs, um, the backyard, the pergola, the garage. Wow. Um, I, would, I would equate it to be, in terms of power, it's probably like an eight watt, you know, or probably a yep. six watt um, LED globe. Um, especially mm-hmm. at night, in the middle of the night, when you're walking through the hallway and it lights up, it's not really bright, doesn't blind you, um, but it, it lights up those areas, you know, the bathroom, the toilet as well. I always had pictures of, you know, running like a 12-volt light system just as like when the power goes out instead of having to get candles out, right? Like there would just be a way yep. to have that, right? But this actually sounds like yeah. you've taken it to the next level and you're using it as like night lights or um, mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to needing Correct. to run like electricity off the grid, light bulbs in the yeah. middle of the night, you can just run this. Yeah. And look, when, when you're running the system as well, over time, you, you you work out what work what works and what doesn't. And one major fundamental flaw with this is during winter, you don't get as much light. So I've got a manual switch where I either go and fire you know, direct power or through the battery. Yep. But uh, right. in terms of what you can buy now, you can actually buy these relays, which you connect it to a battery and a power source. So once the battery goes down a certain voltage, it'll actually automatically click into the power source. So that's my next project to hook that into there so I, I don't have to manually flick that switch during winter. Nice. Do you have solar panels on your house like for electricity generation in general? Uh, not in this home at the moment. Not not in this home. I'm yeah, dis- okay, debating on whether I go down that path or not purely because we're debating on whether we're going to be here uh, or not. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to put it, you know, make that ma- major investment and then you know, two, three years sure. later you move out of the home. Yeah, before well, it's realised. So, another great segue into a question I had for you when you were discussing all your uh, Arduinos. Have you thought about, you know, like succession planning in terms of documentation? How is the house running? Like if you do have to tear it down or the yep. worst happens to you, mm-hmm. how does someone know how the house works? And Yep, so I've got it all documented. As I stated earlier on, it's all in the spreadsheet. It shows you exactly nice. what's configured. Uh, purely because when I click that button, it generates all my code based on whatever configuration I, I place in the spreadsheet. Yeah, cool. Because I know another uh, fellow Melbourneian, Jonathan Oxer from Superhouse TV, he's touched on this, um, you know, like he puts all his firmware um, with all these devices, you know, like the actual firmware version he's using. So at least someone can, you know, if they need to get that exact version that may not have gone from yeah. the internet for whatever reason, it's there. Um, and I can just imagine yeah. oh, look, your house. Yeah. Yeah, let's face it, you know, some people, they have the, you know, they're either interested or they're not interested in it as well. Yeah. So really depending on the new buyers of the house. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. More than happy yeah. to share that information with them if they're, if they're that way inclined. Yeah. 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 Cool. I mean, if not, worst case, you can just pop out your megas, pop out the sensors, the wires just stay in the wall and you're done, right? Patch it up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, something that will stay in the house is I've, um, some of the Z-Waves, which is that I've got their ring wall Z-Waves, which is so uh, that they will definitely mm. stay. And they're quite yeah. easy to to configure and, uh, yeah, have going. <laughs> yeah. Which, just out of curiosity, which ones did you go with for the walls? Did you go Aotech or Fibaro? Aotech, and some of them are, yes, in stay dot. I've only had one failure, yeah. and I believe it was due to a power outage when that when it blew. But I've got about, yeah, about 12 of them or so. And, uh, yeah, had yep. one failure in about... Close to 10 years now. It's been pretty good. Nice. And what buttons did you get with them? Like, are they just the standard up-down switch or did you get toggle switches? 
right? Up, down switch, which ends up being a toggle switch anyway. So, yeah. 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 It's just very interesting. It's easy, you know, very yeah. easy to use. Yeah, very nice. That's cool. So you talked about like cameras and, and security and all that, right? So how does your security stack work? Yeah, so it's all uh, built on, I, I purchased a, uh, a DVR initially. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a swan system as well. And uh, I, and I'm always going to probably repeat myself by saying B is always best. So I bought myself a 16-channel <laughs> unit, you know, because you can, nice. right? <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, very cost effective here in Australia. Like I bought a, and it's only a 1080p system, but it's it's good enough. Uh, with Plenty. 10 cameras, 16 channel unit for like 600 bucks. So you just can't go wrong with that sort of price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got really, really excited when I realized that you can actually integrate it into uh, Home Assistant. Um, I'm very big on having the single pane of glass rather than having multiple apps, having the one mm. application or the one you know, app that you log on and you've got everything in your hands. And the fact that you could actually have video feeds actually pop up as well when there's motion, et cetera, I got very, very excited with that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of that stack, yeah, using a, a standard DVR system, integrating it to Home Assistant, and I'm using Frigate for the AI detection as well. So through Node-RED, I've... I've um, I've written some functions as well, and that's one thing I love about that read where you could read use code. So, based yeah. on my uh, my messaging platform, what I do is just pass on certain parameters, and part of those parameters is take a snapshot of this camera um, and send it to my mobile phone with this particular audible alert. Um, I've gone one step further as well, where I can actually um, silence the alerts as well, so I can receive the alerts without the uh, audible nice. notification as well, or I can actually just, um, as an example, I could just uh, just suppress them. Um, good example is if I'm working on mowing the lawn at the front, I don't want to get multiple alerts saying, "Hey, there's someone there," because I know I'm there actually mowing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was one thing that I couldn't believe that the Raspberry Pi, in terms of what it's running, and I've got eight cameras that are uh, now. I must qualify. I did buy the Coral uh, uh, accelerator, the USB accelerator, mm-hmm. of which has yeah. made a difference. And I'm running eight cameras through it at the moment, along with everything else. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, otherwise your Raspberry Pi sounds like it's going to explode. So it's- yeah, smoking. Uh, my, my next step is, uh, you know, Marketplace is fantastic on Facebook, and not that I'm giving him a plug, but uh, managed to purchase one of those little Dell microcomputers. So I've got uh, virtual, I'm going to try out a Proxmox with the virtualized environment. Mm, so more or like I'm going to start moving stuff over to it. I think yeah, you guys cool. have actually inspired me in terms of, I believe you're running virtual environments, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're both I'm, Docker. I'm, yeah. I'm running Docker in a virtual environment. In, right. So it's like, yeah. It's the reason why I've gone the Proxmox uh, path, I love the supervisor. It just makes it so much easier. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. I'm really considering moving to. Um, I started some research into that, so who knows? Maybe that's where I'll end up. Um, yeah. So, what are you using for alerts to your phone? Like you're using the Home Assistant app to get those actionable notifications. So, so it's a mixture. When I first was on a Vera platform, I was using Pushover, and okay. uh, I first found it. It was just so cheap, and it's just bulletproof. You know, you send the message, you get the message, you get the alert, you can send yep. photos and attachments through it. Um, so I, when I um, started off with Home Assistant, I started using that. 
Um, I am now starting to get into, uh, it's time to use the uh, HA alerts. But one thing I've noticed is there is an element of delay where I always receive alerts via pushover, where there's some instances within Home Assistant, I don't actually get the alerts until probably 10, 15 minutes later. And hence, that's what's mm. preventing me from moving, especially the alerting stuff um, in terms of the security alerts, from moving away because when it's working and it's working well, they touch it. So um, anything yeah. that's non-urgent, I'll use Home Assistant, whereas all the urgent stuff I'm using pushover. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because I actually noticed, yeah, like some alerts, for whatever reason, I have been getting delayed and I was just thought, oh, maybe it's just my phone being in deep sleep or something. But maybe yeah. it's not. Maybe it is. Maybe there is a delay somewhere else. Interesting. But there's yeah, a lot of flexibility with – Oh, sorry. And a lot of flexibility with the uh, yeah. the home assistant notifications in terms of the TTS, that is – that's brilliant. Whereas yeah. uh, through, yeah. through pushover, I'm actually converting – yeah, it's, uh, I'm creating wave files which I'm pushing to myself, and they're just pre-canned messages like someone's at the front door or the garage door is open, as an example. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even from a audio-video perspective, it sounds like you've done quite a bit there too, um, including. Yep. I mean, in, in your initial email, you talked about your uh, projector that kind of pops in and out. You want to talk about that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, uh, look, I'll, I love using my hands as well. So, um, hence, yeah, where, yeah. Where, you know, renovating the house, I was uh, like a pig in butt. I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, and the, the things that you can buy online today is just amazing as compared to 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, uh, I purchased a couple of linear actuators, built my own projector box. Actually, uh, I, I didn't want the projector just to be hanging off the ceiling. I just felt it unsightly. So, once I had yeah. the ability to hide it, so it's fortunate that I had a wardrobe on the other side of the wall of which the top section, because we've got high ceilings here, I actually punched a hole in the wall, put this cabinet in there, wired up a couple of um, uh, linear actuators. And so now we've got the, the, the movie scene where when we switch the movie on, um, it actually opens up a door and the projector slides out, switches on you know, the amp, the projector, then the, uh, the RGBA LEDs go on, um, and then they actually switch off. But when we're watching a movie, if you're walking through the hallway to go get a bite to eat, as an example, they do light up, mm-hmm. but they light up in red as well, so it doesn't actually affect the screen itself. And I found wow. that as being rock solid, as being working like a charm. Love it. <laughs> this is okay. Um, I'm just pick. This is like a Tony Stark moment, right? Like I can just imagine you push a button, out comes the screen. So you've got like. An empty space in the top of your wardrobe? Like, is it a built-in robe, or is it like a? It's a, it's, it's a built-in robe. Yeah, it's a built-in yeah, robe, okay. and it's the top section of the built-in robe of which, realistically, you can't you can't put anything in there. It's it's yeah. not it's very hard to to access it as well. And don't get me yep. wrong, I, I was uh, I was struggling to try and put this actual box unit in there and angle it mm-hmm. in such a way that when it displays the uh, uh, the picture. I actually maximise the full size of the of full length of the wall, and to try and get wow. a level and uh, yeah, yeah aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. It, it took me a while to make some fine you know, fine sheet adjustments to get it to that stage. Um, yeah. You can either use your app, and obviously, I'm a I'm a big Google Home fan here, where we've got about eight Google Homes in the house, so you mm-hmm. just yeah. tell you know. Uh, the magic uh, device to switch the projector on, and the magic just happens. That's, That's really so cool. cool. 
So do you do you primarily control everything through the Google Homes that you have then? Like you don't use a tablet, uh, you don't use anything like that. It's just mixture of yeah. everything, uh, whether it's my phone or um yeah, via Google Home itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I have got a tablet that I've uh, mounted on top uh, of the kitchen bench there, and that's predominantly used just for us to play music and stuff throughout the kitchen. That also lights sure. up in terms of if someone's at the front door and it sends through the, uh, the video feed. Right. Nice. Right, right. What are you using for that tablet? Like, is it just an iPad? It's an old Samsung, one of those little eight-inch, eight I think it's a Tab A or so. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It works well on for my daughter to watch uh, Netflix on. Yeah, it, it, so. it works quite well. It works quite yeah. well. And has that just got Home Assistant open on the app? Uh, through, uh, I believe it's uh, now, what I don't remember the name, it's something kiosk. Uh, to, fully kiosk. Uh, fully kiosk. Yeah. Fully kiosk, that's it, yeah. So and the that's cool just thing about that is, correct, yeah. And the cool thing about that right. as an example, I've actually got certain helpers so that as an example, if someone does break into the house and the house is armed, it will not switch off. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's aware in terms of whether the house is in armed state or not. And in terms of arming the house, and this was back in the since day dot, big fan of just uh, geofencing. So depending on which family members yeah. in and out of the house, it automatically arms and disarms itself. Nice. Yeah, nice. How reliable have you found that to be? It's been pretty good. Yeah, it's been very, yeah. very good. Very reliable. Very any reliable. Manual, now, have you got any manual overrides in case, you know, your phone's run out of battery or anything? Can you get into the house and disarm it with a pin code or anything? Uh, yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Uh, and I, I won't uh, allude to what it is because obviously yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 the family knows. Uh, but, yeah. That's cool. Nice. Yeah, so in terms of um, the security system as well, I've got the electronic lock. I've got the Yale lock, the Zebrave lock. Nice. Um, um, got a bunch How do you of, like that lock? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. What's well, yeah. like a charm. It's great. It's it's bulletproof. Because um, um, what I've done now is I've tied the pin codes from mm-hmm. that lock to Home Assistant as the alarm controller so that, for example, if my mum comes over and we're out, if she puts her code in, the house will then disarm uh, for her. And then, yep. have you thought about doing anything like that? I've got that. I also get the message in terms of who's disarmed it as well. So yeah, I, I, I know who, I, I know every ins and outs of that on my home. I know yeah. that, um, like, you know, Ryan, you mentioned someone's hit a brick, mate, they'll throw it through that window, right? But yeah. I, I agree with you. I agree. <laughs> if someone really wants to get into your home, they will. Yeah. Um, but if they do, I know about it. I know about it. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair. It's, uh, I, I, I love being famously quoted. This is, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, and then from and like a, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And I've obviously I've got, you know, the RFID tags as well, um, which are in discrete locations. So you could just tap on to open up even the roller door with the, uh, for the garage as well. Nice. So just to confirm nice. there, um, do you mean NFC tags? Like you tap your phone against the NFC, NFC tags? tags yes. Yeah. Yes. So I've, I've actually embedded them into the actual fence so you don't even know where it is. And uh, you yeah, just basically nice. tap the fence and it opens. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I've done that for yeah. my garage. I mean, I've just literally stuck an NFC tag yeah. on my roof. And you can see it, right? Like it just says tap here. But yeah. um, 
if, if anyone wants to go up to it and tap it, it's just got an ID number in it to link to Home yeah. Assistant. Yeah. Have you done for yours? Are you doing the same thing? Pretty much, yeah. And and the beautiful thing about Frigate, if someone goes there, I, I've got the the video footage, and I've got I get the snapshot yeah. of who's actually tapped it as well. So nice, yeah. nice. it's like Big Brother here, mate. It's uh, yeah, control <laughs> controls <laughs> and views everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I often so joke, cool. I often joke that my my house might become self aware soon and take over the family. In terms yeah. of what we've got <laughs> in here. And you mentioned you've got some NFC tags like around other places. Is there anything? Um, cool that you like how often would these nft tags be used like if you've got maybe something in the bathroom tap it here like what are these other things sort of doing non-security yeah, related, uh, i'm guessing it's in terms of non-security related a lot of it is um uh, media control as well so through the uh the Arduino mega um i've actually um built up speaker zones throughout the house okay. um so you know just to tap on like if you want to play music in the backyard you just tap on this and um uh, a card and we'll actually switch on the app, right. switch on that zone as well. Uh, yeah, I've also nice. got one, and I've got those stickers as well, which I've actually put them on the actual uh, light switches. So, you know, you could tap that on to start the movie scene as well. And in terms of a fun one, now, look, I'm a, as I alluded earlier on, I'm a big kid at heart. So I grew up on anything Warner Brothers related. So I've got a bunch of um, animated cells. So yeah. you can actually tap the cell and it actually plays a section by an audible, not audible message in terms of segment of that particular um, um, cartoon. Very nice. That is cool. So, so yeah, okay, so oh. like you've got like a whole bunch of that. And what are you doing for the audio zones? Are you using like a Sonos <laughs> system or have you custom built your own audio system? Uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, it's basically an amp, which is hooked in uh, uh, into the actual relay board itself. And I just stream everything through. I've actually got one of the Google audio um, devices. So um, mm-hmm. through my, I've got a Synology NAS. So I'm just using mm-hmm. uh, the the media player on that. And I just farm music through. But lately yeah, I've just been getting into a lot of the cool online uh, you know, internet radio stations are just playing that through. Yep. You know, you get to my age and then you start realising you start getting sick of playing the old, same old songs over and over again. So <laughs> just to listen to something fresh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were talking about, like, the garage and, you know, like, using NFC tags and stuff like that. Like, I know Phil was saying about that too. And uh, so in the garage, sounds like you're doing a couple of things too. You want to talk about those? Yep. So um, obviously, I've got motion sensors in there. I've got the read switches. Uh, I've also yeah. got uh, presence detection as well for both the carpool and the garage. And mm-hmm. it, all it is is purely just a uh, an ESP Home. Uh, it's like a, I'm using ESP Home with a D1 Mini. I'm just some, yep. I've got I've hooked into um, uh, distance uh, 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 sensors. So. Basically, I've got them mounted to where the car should be so that if the car actually leaves the garage or the carport, there mm-hmm. is a switch there. That, that, that there's, a, there's an entity there that states whether the, the, that particular area is uh, occupied or not. The reason why I've got that is from driving into the garage, um, if the carport's vacant, well, because that's directly behind it, rather than stop in the garage when my wife comes in behind me, Realizing that the you know the car's there, I can actually drive through into the empty spot, so I can leave right. the garage free for it when she comes home. So it's more around that, um, and that's all hooked into obviously um, 
into the app, which which shows the uh, the status of the garages. But I was also thinking of putting something visual there as well, so that you know you could see in LED whether the you know uh, the carport's empty or not, because obviously you know you can't see because mm-hmm. there's a roller door there which is closed. Right, right. So it's like a it's a, so it's a garage and then a carport kind of in front of that. Yeah, behind it, behind, and it's or like dual it. roller doors yeah. one. One at the front and one at the rear of the, of the garage. Nice. nice. Okay. Um, Have you gone to the level up, of detecting which height is the right car? Like, if you've, you know, maybe you're driving an SUV and your wife's driving a hatchback or something, can you then determine, yeah. all right, based on this height, it's this car that's parked here? And I just kept it simple in terms of is there a car there? Yes, no. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if anything, uh, in terms of doing something really kooky, I've, I've got an old car, which is an old 1994 uh, vehicle, mm-hmm. and I've actually put an ESP home in that, and that's actually hooked into home system. So when I connect to the uh, to the uh, local Wi-Fi, uh, to the router, mm-hmm. I've got uh, an LED that lights up as well, and I can actually control the car doors through that, through that device. Nice. And the next step is I'm going to I'm gonna put an OLED display in here as well, so it can basically provide me some of that information rather than me looking at the actual app itself. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, you could now leverage that because it's hooked into everything else. You could leverage that to be a uh, wireless remote for your garage door and so on and so forth, right? Like, yeah. Because it'll be connected like when you're that. here anyways, when you're home. Yeah, correct. The one thing I like about that is, as an example, if someone gets into your car and you've got the garage remote, they can easily open up your, your garage yeah. door. Whereas if the car's not on and you press the button, which I've got a physical button there, which is connected to mm. the USB home, because it's not on, well, you can't open up the uh, the garage. So there's that nice. other element, the additional element of security there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And the garage door, I think you mentioned before, is just going through like a standard read switch that you've got going through your Arduinos. Like- uh, I've got the relay. Uh, sorry, I've got the relay which controls it. So basically the relay uh, with a lot of the garage door mechanisms now there is, at the back of it, there's a terminal. And if you cross two yep. of those terminals, it's like you pressing a button. So that's what exactly. I've done. That's why it relates to that. And I've just got the, uh, the reach, reach, which just to de- detect whether the garage is, or the door is open or closed. Of course, yeah. um, I've also got alerts there where my wife has actually left, driven to work, and hasn't, like, the front roller doors closed, but the rear isn't. It's mm. still open. So I actually do get alert based on the geolocation of her saying, Warning, the uh, the rear roller doors still open, and that's when I just press a button and close it. Or close close it. it. <laughs> yeah, I've got that for you, everything, even you, for the front door as well. Yeah, do you do anything to close the door automatically? Because I've thought about this, right? Where it's like the mm. only automatic door closing I have is when we say good night. Because my fear is always like, again, with something like that, it's like, okay, well, if I automatically did that, like, let's say my like my wife takes the car or whatever and she's she's out she takes the and based on geolocation to say hey close the door because nobody's there what if i'm in the garage working what if i'm like doing something yeah. like that right outside um yeah that's why i get the just the uh the alert notification so you can automate yeah. it i agree with you but um yeah. for me it's just that's that element of control where i just get the alert I can check yep i'll i'll close yeah. it manually yeah. all off through the app yeah fair enough yeah, on that, like, I've actually, even since having my HomeKit controller connected to the garage door, we've actually have left the door open. So, you know, I, I have automated our garage door, but only in the situation where uh, we've left, like, the alarm panel has armed, assuming because no one's in the house, um, and the garage door is open, it will close the door. But there is a risk, yep. right, that we've left 
you know, something sticking out of the garage door for whatever reason and mm-hmm. it's going to come down and smash it. But I'd rather, yeah, always just try and keep the garage door clear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, one thing I failed to mention around that, I've got one of those beam sensors um, yes. of which I've hooked yep. into the uh, – the Arduino, and that's also exposed to home assistant as well. So it's pretty cool when you're actually driving into the garage. You actually see it once I actually go over that beam, but actually lights up red on the app as well. So um, it's a good way of oh. not actually having that door closed on anything as well. Yeah, nice. And yeah, the beautiful thing about that is it's like 20 bucks. You buy it online, you just could hook it in easily, and that's where, that's where it's dangerous. That's when, yeah. When you roll out this technology, you just it's never ending. It's twenty dollars yeah. here, twenty dollars there, and then next yeah, well, thing you know, you're up to thousands of dollars. Yeah. But you know what? It's realistically when I look at my total outlay, it's not really it's it at all. No. I I've known of like I have uh, you know, friends that have paid for certain things to be automated and they've paid exorbitant amount of money. And I'm thinking mm, yeah. well under that. And also yeah. it feeds the addiction and uh <laughs> it gives me something yeah. to do to keep out of trouble. Yeah, that's it. Uh- hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Um, so switching gears now, like we've gone from the garage, I want to go out into the garden now because there's something, yep. um, it's been winter over here in, in Melbourne, so we've started doing some gardening. You've done a bit of gardening projects like automating your watering i'm guessing Correct. how yes. did you go about doing that like did you have to go for, like did you already have a system in place that you could then automate yep. or did you have nothing and then have to run the, the pipe and yep. everything and, and scratch so yeah i had nothing nothing and then uh you know put in a couple of water tanks as well and i thought gee yep. wouldn't it be great if i could uh just uh run a sprinkler system a drip assistant through the water tanks using a nice. pump Yep. And uh, so I actually designed and built it myself. Once again, hooked into the Arduino controllers as well, where, um, mm. you know, we've got our local hardware supplier being Bunnings. It's not a lot of plug. Mm-hmm. It's uh, bought a bunch of solenoids, some irrigation piping, just ran it all and uh, connected it all to the uh, to the Arduino. And so then that's when I've just uh, created some schedules where, you know, uh, it'll switch on the dripper, it'll switch on the pump, it'll switch on the drippers and the sprayers. But I've also got a configuration section which I've set up a couple of helpers where I can actually just change the duration of what the drippers to run for or the the, the sprayers for as well. Uh, one thing that was getting me at the very beginning was you know I didn't know whether the uh, the water tank was full or not, and so you know obviously there's a, a risk of damaging your pump if the tank's empty and it's still keep it's still running. 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, and, and I know that you guys have spoken about it, you know, in terms of how have you done this or that in terms of yeah, measuring the 100%. water levels. And for me, the most bulletproof way was a pressure sensor. So I just bought a yep. pressure sensor, hooked it in, and that's been running really, really well to the point where, you know, when it's raining and I've got like a quarter of a tank, it's great watching the actual tank raise in terms Fill of up. water levels. Yeah. So it's been pretty bulletproof at the moment. So it's been really, really good. And Ever since I put in, uh, when, I, when I configured the um, uh, the watering system, our garnet hasn't looked greener. Uh, prior to that, That's was correct. very, very flat. Yeah. So I've got a water tank here that's just been collecting water since we moved in. Um, and, yeah, I'd love to put a, a pump on it, run some cable, like some piping around the house and just get water around it. I'd yep. use it because right, right now it's just sitting there collecting water. With the pressure sensor, what sort of pressure sensor is it that you're using? Is it something that goes under the tank to look at the weight of it or is it on the actual valve of the water coming out? Yeah, it's on the valve. So um, I wired it into the valve. So, yes. I did yeah, make a nice. mistake though. When I ordered the first one, it was uh, for something of the, the PSI was way too huge for what my application was. And, you know, you learn from your mistakes and now I had to order another one which was actually rated for the, um, the 2,000 litre tank that I've got. Nice. And so that can measure how much water is in the tank mm-hmm. without it drawing water? Like, is that am I Yeah, that's right. So that it, right? it just works under pressure. So based on wow. the the, uh, the way it works, it's, uh, the greater the pressure, the greater the voltage that's going through to the actual sensor itself, and that's how there's a calculation yeah. behind it. Um, and like with anything else, right, you, you set up a calculation, but I did the old school method. What is my reading when it's full? What is it? You know, it's three quarters full, half full, a quarter yeah. full, and that's how nice. I've calibrated it. Yeah, great. Yeah. You don't that need exact. Good. You just need to know that yeah. it's not yeah. going to damage anything, right? Yeah, that's right. And, that's right. And, and so then um, you've got a, a pump running off the um, – in, so that's just like a 240-volt pump that can be switched on yeah, from the smart switch? Or? Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I've also got a, a, a little fish pond as well, and so uh, yeah. I run that and built my own little filtration system as well, so that runs on the timer as well. What I've noticed, though, it's certain times when it was really, really windy and you've got the pump and it's spraying water, on a windy day, it sprays all the water out of the actual pond itself. So through the, mm. the bomb, there is a windfall car, so if it gets beyond the certain uh, you know, amount of the gusts, it won't switch on the pond pump. Interesting. Have you thought about buying like a home weather station to then get like exact data for your house? Yeah, I haven't done that at the moment. I I probably don't have the need for it uh, purely because, Mm -hmm. mate, I just want to make sure that I've got water in that tank. And if I've got water in the tank, that's all I need. Yeah. Then you're good. Sorry. Just in terms of controlling the gardening, um, is that home system that's the brains or have you got like, is that based on the Arduino? Like it's all done through the Arduino? It's all through the brains is through um, home assistance. I'm using no grip as a scheduler. Um, Arduino, all that's doing is controlling the relays, which switch on the Mm -hmm. solenoids. That's all it does. And are those solenoids in a central part of the garden or are they um, just near the tank? Correct. So I've got two tanks, one at the rear, one mm-hmm. at the back. Um, yep. mm-hmm. So the rear one is, yeah, they're, they're all centrally located where they are. What I've done, though, is for one of them, the front one, I've actually put a, an Arduino Uno, uh, Uno, and I've got that locally running to it. So whenever I actually switch on the, uh, or whenever the gardening scene switches on, I actually feed it power. So it's not always running. 
it only runs right. when I need to water the garden itself. So yeah, cool. that's one element that I love about the um, the megas in the sense that I've got a lot of devices that, you know, I don't want to run it 24 hours a day as well. So I control yeah. the power that goes to the. Um, yeah. a, a good example is, you know, how I said I've got 16 channels, camera system. I've even got internal cameras as well, but I don't like those running while I'm in the home, only when the house sure. is armed. Because yep. they're 12 volts, I can control and switch them on and off. So when you arm the house and it's manual, It'll, as in, uh, these uh, relays will switch on and we'll just switch on the internals with arms in the home. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I guess even if you did POE cameras and stuff like that, like power over Ethernet, same thing, right? You can just turn on the port when you when you leave kind of thing, have a script to do that. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, correct, correct. I'll also one if it's if, if you don't need it and it doesn't have to run, switch it off, save some power. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in your household, I mean, like, like again, like how um, – how many people are there? How do you manage your household? Um, so kind of I'm one of those use cases is five of us, plus a dog and a cat. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't yeah, chipped yeah. those yet to open up the uh, the cat and dog door. But, um, I was going to yeah, say, I, I love the, cat, uh, cat automations too. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> But in terms of, uh, uh, you know, just um, uh, the other family members, they've all got the app. Uh, we all know where everyone is as well, so um, yeah. which, which is great. Um, um, and, and on top of that as well, I've actually just integrated everything via Google Calendar with the kids so that we know that for major events, schooling activities, et cetera. It's all there. It's centralized. We can all access it. It's on the actual wall panel in the kitchen as well. Um, and one of the uh, the cookie items that I did was uh, the chores because – Mate, when, you, when you've got kids and it's time to do the dishes or, you know, clean the bathroom, et cetera, no, it wasn't my turn. It's not my turn. It's not week yeah. three. It's week two. Well, Google Home doesn't lie. Home Assistant doesn't lie. <laughs> I just say, well, whose turn is it to do the, the dishes or the bathroom? Yeah. And when that magic voice comes over, they've got no excuse. That's awesome. This is cool. I wish I got to that level of uh... – <laughs> Automation. Oh, Rowan, look, a lot of my friends ask me, hey, "Where do you get the time to do this?" But you know, yeah. it's it's you know, late at night. That's that's when I'm in my own element, and it's just a way that I can yeah. actually relax. I just enjoy doing it, right? So, yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I I I I love the fact that you have just like cables running through your house and everything. I wish I could do that. Yeah, because like in, in a perfect, and I've actually thought about this before. In a perfect world, what I would do is even for door sensors and stuff, right? Like I would run it right to the, uh, right to the wall, um, the door frame. Correct. Right, and then from there, have just have cables going through all of that, and hey, he's back. All right, so correct. Uh, so like my next project, if we ever to move and I was to renovate again, I would be running twelve volt cable throughout every door, yeah. every window, just get it down. Um, kind of kidding yeah, myself I, that I didn't do it, but uh, nothing was available back then. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't aware as what I am now in terms of what's available at your fingertips. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of houses here actually come with wiring in the walls, right? For example, like so, like I've actually got wires coming out to some of my windows and stuff. Only oh, wow. problem is when they uh, finish the basement, like the the people before me, uh, when they finish the basement. It's somewhere in the walls. I have no idea where or, or where they're right. like. So they kind of finished around it. You would have thought it logically it's near the near the uh, breaker panel or something like that, yeah. but it's not. 
Um, so what I did, so I actually took photos of when I when I laid all the cable out before yeah. the passable went up. I took photos as well. Yeah, as a yeah, final result, that would have made sense. But here we are. <laughs> so I just want to ask on the family stuff that you've got happening. Um, yep. You mentioned that, or oh, you've got Google Calendar integrated. Is that then used? What's the wall panel that you mentioned? Is that uh, just a tablet that's in the kitchen? It's the tablet. Yeah, or yeah, for, yeah it's yep. the tablet. It's so the tablet. are you showing the calendar through Home Assistant or through another app? Through Home Assistant, through um, the Kiosk nice. browser. Oh, no, there's a nice little button that we press when it's dinner time and it's throughout all, and it echoes throughout the whole house. It's dinner time. <laughs> all yep. the kids. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, and so, you, and you know, I'm guessing you're just using calendar integration in Home Assistant. You like go into the sidebar, hit calendar, and it's got all Google calendars there. Correct. Yeah, correct. Correct. Um, yeah, very and The cool nice. thing about obviously the, having the calendar entry in there, I've got the school days in there. So in the mornings, the kids will get the, uh, the wake up alerts as well. Yep. I need to drive them to the station. There's a timer saying that we've got five minutes before we're about to get in. Otherwise, we'll miss the train as well. So mm-hmm. oh, I've got cool. those notifications throughout the whole house itself. And I've also yep. got an integration of our PTV system, which, Rowan, it's our local Just- timetable system as well. So they've got that at their uh, fingertips within Home Assistant. I was just That's about cool. to ask if you had integrated with the PTV API um, because I – when I used um, in uh, in the inner north of Melbourne, I um, we would catch the tram a lot, and trams you can get the live you know details of when the next tram is. So I had a an automation um, in the morning. I would throw up like a simple web page up on the TV, and it would have you know next train going this way, next tram going this way in three minutes, um, and the weather for today. Um, so yeah, I was very curious to see if you'd have awesome. done something similar. Yeah. If there's a bowl, I'll put it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I like that logic. Uh, that's great. Um, that's funny. All right. So in terms of like, so if you've got your 12-volt power system, which uh, for, for your lighting, ha- what happens in terms of uh, disaster recovery um, or a disaster scenario? Like let's say my biggest fear is uh and one of my weaknesses is my switchboard for my house is right near the front door right it's outside someone wants to get into the house they just walk up and flick the main breaker off i lose power home since gone all right how have you so have you done anything to counteract that um or in the event like you know it's a summer day and power's out what can what can your house do yeah, UPS. I've got a UPS backup which um uh which kicks in um so that that'll That'll run the DVR system, home assistance, and I'll also get an alert as well that the actual power's going out. Right. Nice. Um, so the, what yeah. UPS did you go with? Uh, the I've got it here. So I think it's the Cyber or what have you from um, OfficeWorks. Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. And that's got integration with Home Assistant. So uh, there, there's a fine. USB cable that you can connect into the Synology NAS, and that's how I get to it. Uh-huh. That's how I yeah. alert on it. Yeah. So, Very and some, nice. Someone did, because I have to admit, I did it a while back, and I believe someone actually wrote a plugin for that. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Yeah, well, that's good there's because uh, you can use uh, the tool called NUT, uh, Network UPS Tools. Or that's the one that. that I've used, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you can nice. use uh, – you can use that, that one's like a really? standard, like a – Yeah. It's probably tool, shows tool you how much time you got left on the actual yeah. uh, UPS and all. So it's really great. Yeah, yeah. I do the same too. It's plugged into my QNAP NAS and 
shuts everything yeah, down like safely a, if it needs to, so on. Yeah. Sorry, Phil. I think how much time would you say your UPS would give you? Yeah, I think my calculation is twenty minutes. I should test that out, to be honest. I should just yeah, see how long it takes. Yeah, it's power and see what it's about twenty minutes yeah. or so. Do you, do you have stuff safely shutting down? Uh, so the, the only thing that will probably anything? shut down, which I've obviously, which is on that is pretty much all they could configure is the the NAS. Uh, yeah. With Home Assistant, um, I haven't got anything there that will safely shut it down at the moment. Got it. Yeah, so I'd rather have Home Assistant running to the last second. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's true. That's correct. Do you have yeah, like it's... your MBN box connected to the UPS as well so that the internet stays up at least? Uh, yes, I do. I do. The round nice. of the whole lot. Yeah, fantastic. The whole lot. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you know, if I was to move and get a solar panel system, if you had, you know, batteries, which you could actually, you know, charge up throughout, mm-hmm. throughout the day, that, that would be your ultimate mm-hmm. UPS. Yeah, definitely. But no, I'm always <laughs> thinking like, you know, what critical systems could I keep online yeah. and how long could I keep them online for, right? Um, Correct. Yeah. And that was yeah. a, the other reason why I want to go down to the virtualization path because I actually want to put one string on Home Assistant itself as well so that way I can get alerts yep. if something does go down or not. Yeah, yeah I have Home Assistant monitoring itself at the moment. Like when a Zigbee device goes offline, sends me an alert, like just too too flaky, too many things going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, of course, and then I just use Uptime Robot. Um, if Home Assistant's <laughs> down, I get a Telegram message saying, hey, Instance is down. Go fix it. Cool. Do you do you monitor any of your internal services? Like you said, like you use MQTT and stuff like that, right? Do you have any kind of like, hey, MQTT went down? Because obviously, if something like that goes down, everything else. Yeah, the, the and, and, and that's one of the layers that I actually do want to um, put some monitoring on. Touch wood. I haven't had an issue mm-hmm. with MQTT. It's been it's been bulletproof. It's been yeah, amazing. It's, 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 so it's a, usually pretty amount solid. of issues that I've got running on this thing. It is just. Ultra fast and just reliable. It's yeah. reliable. Yeah. Um, and I've got everything. Yeah. Like I've even got like a, a Sensibo in terms of my climate. Uh, air conditioner, I use a Sensibo um, uh, mm. unit, to, which, which talks about QTT. On top of that as well. And my my um, central heater here is uh, quite an old system. It's an old Briver system, but I purchased that uh, and it was from Briver's and this was relatively expensive. It was a Wi-Fi serial box which you connect to your controller. And mm-hmm. uh, once again, there's, there's a lot of smart people out there. There was someone that wrote a plug-in via Homebridge. So I've actually got Homebridge running on my Docker container on the actual Raspberry Pi itself, which actually right. connects to my um, central heater. And that's using MQTT as well and speak bulletproof. That's great. I'm surprised. Like I have a, an old driver system too. Um or at least the controller was, and I just replaced it with a Z-Wave Remotech um, thermostat controller. Just wired it in, um, away it went. So I'm surprised you couldn't do something similar. Probably because I wasn't aware of it. I just went down the other path. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's something for me to think about. Yeah. Oh, it's already yeah, in there, funny. so it's, it's been working well. So it, as I alluded to earlier on. Exactly yeah. right. You know? And the beautiful okay. thing about having temperature sensors throughout the house, this is something that wasn't really available beforehand. That's when I could switch zones on and off, you know. It's just brilliant. It's yes. just brilliant. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. nice. Yeah. And obviously with the temperature sensors and some of the uh, DIY, you know, motion sensors, even the some of the uh, the breed sensors, the door sensors that I've uh, implemented, 
they're just parts that I've bought off the internet. And I alluded to earlier on, having a 3D printer is just it's awesome. Yeah. You build your own little cases, et cetera. I've even built um, – I've even designed cases which are actually coved to the shape of the picture rail. So it's not as noticeable as well. Mm. So it looks really, really nice and aesthetic, um, which is what I've started getting into as well because you don't want something big and gory stuck yeah. on the wall. Yeah. You want it as discreet yeah. as possible. Yeah, yeah. Those are always the nicest, right? Especially when it's something like big, ugly, like whatever. Like, but no, that's awesome. As someone who's never had a 3D printer, how do you go about designing something in there? Can you go in like, all right, I've measured, you know, it needs to go around this corner and all that, and then give it like millimeter precision? Because I can just imagine I'm going to buy one of these 3D printers and end up throwing away half of the film (laughs) in like mistakes. Mate, it's it's like any craft, right? You've got to make mistakes to learn, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a bit of a learning curve, but uh, once you get the hang of it, and I'm using uh, Fusion 360 for the AutoCAD stuff, um, it's 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 amazing in terms of even like the unit that I've got wasn't very expensive at all, but the precision is just absolutely mind blowing. Um, it just it's just great. It, it is just unbelievable. That's cool. Um, yeah, like my next. My next project is, you know, obviously that guy Rob, the hookup. Um, yes. His blinds. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've, I've actually started working on that. I've got that all working. But one thing I wanted to do is actually have the manual controls as well, um, where the window was. So part of that is going to be 3D printing, um, certain cases, et cetera, so that they, they're not very noticeable, but you can actually yep. control the blinds through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah, pressing yeah. these. I've got – purchase a couple of uh, those capacity touch sensors so it's not a physical button that you've got to press it's nice and flat it's kind of hidden and so which motors are you going to go with for those now he's and uh, i alluded to earlier on where i said you know you got to make mistakes etc i've already i purchased five motors and i've already burnt three through mucking around and <laughs> testing certain things and uh to be honest because they're only five volt motors i'm thinking it's just too weak i, I might go the 12 volt and just try that um, I just keep on yeah. burning them out. Um, but then uh, one, one flaw that I found was depending on the state it's in, it might, it doesn't, although it, I'm using stepper motors, if the home assistant disconnects and reconnects and that's actually moved, then it's in the wrong position. So when it closes, it might overcompensate and the motor keeps on turning, although the actual uh, you know, blinds are closed. So I figured out a way so I can have some little micro switches so that depending mm-hmm. on where the shades are, it switches on that micro switch, which then just stops them completely. Right, right. And that's only wow. and for that to be possible, you've got to have a 3D printer to build the actual mechanisms to be able to do that. That's one thing I love about yeah. it. Having a problem and then just going through your head in terms of how can you actually solve it. That's that's half the fun, half the challenge. Yeah. yeah. That's so fun. So what are, what are, I mean, this wouldn't be the home assistant podcast if we didn't ask you, what are your most favorite wacky, whatever automations, right? Like what's the most useful or what's the craziest or. Yeah. Oh, look, in terms of most useful, you know, the, uh, the Arduino Megas are just brilliant, you know, cause you know, the one unit can control yeah. something like 40 devices and I've set it in such a way, you common elements, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, your read switch, uh, you know, a relay switch, Temperature. Mm-hmm. I've even got button controls as well um, that that's hooked into it. In terms of weird and wacky and and fun, obviously the 
the rocket, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. But the most practical and the most the coolest one is the, obviously the projector itself. It's just it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That projector, yeah, it does sound pretty amazing. Actually, I did have a question on your on your mega. Like when you wired everything in, how yep. did you like? Did you solder everything in, or did you use this like headers and uh, and uh, oh my god, what what, is, what are those cables called? Um, yeah, the Dupont cables, the little with the pins. The Dupont cables. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's predominantly Dupont cables, but what I've also done as well is I've purchased your own cabling management system where you can just buy it off eBay. You know, it has mm. all the relevant different types of connectors in terms of the actual plastic housing for each of those pins, or whether it's a female male pin. Um, yeah, uh, I bought a creeper as well, so it, it, I didn't even need to solder it. Although I have soldered soldered certain projects together. With that, a lot yeah. of it's just crimping. Crimping that well, bit of heat shrink tube goes a long way. Yeah, because I was going to say, in case like if one of those Arduino's dies or whatever, right? It might, you're going to have a heck of a time desoldering everything, whatever, and then yeah, it, it's purely just pins going in and out. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, are these things in the ceiling, or are they kind of? Does it just a run back to where your home assistant stack is, or how does that work? Yeah, so uh, obviously the 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 megas are uh, located in certain strategic spots, and they all run through to. Now I've got a don't line off. I've got a server room as well, so it's a little tiny okay. void. Which when I was renovating a house, I was just going to plaster over it. I said, "Well, hang on a sec. I can actually use this, and yeah. all my stuff is is running in that." So out of you know out of sight, you know, I'll, you know the fact that it's not out there, the wife doesn't see it. Um, you know, I'm in a good book. So a lot of all that stuff is all nice and tightly hidden away. Beautiful. Is there a lot of ventilation in there? Like, does you need, because it get too hot in there during summer, like all these machines? In running? summer, it does get quite warm, but I've actually got a vent, which I've actually, because I've got a temperature sensor, which are hooked into one of the megas, which is in the server room itself. So it just yeah, automatically yeah. switches on that. It's just a 12 volt fan, which just, uh, uh, Get the air moving around. The hot air, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, that and I've also because with the Raspberry Pi, I think I truly believe the reason why it's actually uh, lasted because I am thrashing it about. I've actually got a CPU fan that's actually directly on top of it, so that even when the yeah. CPU temperature gets to a certain point, a relay kick in, uh, that thing will switch on, so uh, we keep it nice and cool. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like the I like the idea of putting everything just into two megas or whatever, right? And it's like I said, I I yeah. wish I could do that. It's um, yeah. Well, look, um, oh, I'm fortunate because I've got certain um, you know cavities where I can run cable through. Yeah. Uh, look, if I had my yeah. way all over again, I was actually put some. I think it's called coding so that you can actually run cables. Um, for yeah. me, it's uh. Yeah, not not that it's. I'll be lying if I said it's not challenging. It is challenging in certain uh, instances, but I, I can still manage to get stuff through. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's no, your point. It'd be great if you have wires going through every point in the house, but just brilliant. Yeah, I would. I would love that. Right, it's and or you can find those cables. <laughs> like, it's, but it's, it's 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 even stuff like again things you don't realize about right like let's say in the ceiling you want to have a presence sensor or something like that right like it's uh, I think I would love to have again in a perfect world I think I would I would design a home with 
those pieces in there, right? Like whether it's yeah. like in a corner or right in the like around the middle to say, hey, here's a here's a presence sensor and and do whatever. And then again, it holds into the doors, uh, not in the doors, in the door frames and and those kind of things, right? To yeah. say yeah. or window frames and, and say, okay, let's go. And with every project, you can plan to the nth degree, right? But there's always in the future, oh, what if I did this? What if I did that? Hence having yeah. those those empty pockets where you can actually still run things through the future because especially with cables and the way they change and standards change etc um i think is is you know it's a must if you're building a house yeah i totally agree totally agree you know if you if you like to tinker and you're into the home automation you know uh arena investing in a 3d printer is i would seriously really recommend that it's amazing. It, it, it just takes it to another level in terms of what yeah. you can do, especially from a DIY point of view. You know, being able to you know make cases, make housings for certain you know devices, sensors. I've even used it for architectural yeah. components as well. As I alluded, I've got picture rails here. I've actually created uh, you know Victorian to like mounting blocks and stuff like that, which you know look like the real deal, but they're actually three D printed. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm. I was telling Phil the other day. I'm. I'm. I guess in the process of getting one, I think I've reached out to the vendor. I had a couple of questions, but they apparently don't reply to emails. So I don't know. Part of me is like, do I just bite the bullet? But we'll see. But do you have yeah. your 3D printer integrated into Home Assistant, John? Yeah, I'm using OctoPrint. So that's uh, nice. I've got pre canned seeds so I can heat the bit, heat the filament. I, even when it's uh, as it's printing away, I can actually review and I'm, I've got a webcam connected to it yeah. so i can actually see the yeah. print um and also when it gets to 75 percent, 100 percent complete it'll give me an alert or a notification uh with a photo of the actually completed um component and uh once the 3d print is completed um if i don't touch it or what have you after 15 minutes it'll automatically shut itself down cool the bed and just shut itself down nice yeah very nice so that's would that be like your recommended 3d printer then uh, OctoPrint is just uh, it's just a server that connects to, uh, I believe, any sort of printer as well. I'm using an okay. MP3. Mate, I paid like $300 for mine and the use that I got yeah. out of it, I believe like a, a kilo's worth of plastic is something like $25 or so. So it's not yeah. very expensive yeah. Yeah. To, to, to run. And I've got, <laughs> I've probably got about 10, 12 of those rolls with multiple colors, et cetera. Um, yeah. Obviously, my favorite is white producing some of those uh, casings for the sensors. Mm-hmm. But I've yeah. also got some lithopaint stuff, which is the see-through stuff, which I've created. Um, I've made um, LED mounts as well. Um, yep. So they, 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 they look quite nice and discreet. Very nice. That is cool. Mm. And one thing I love about it as well is, like, I took a profile of my picture rail. I embedded it into Fusion. And I use that to slice through my particular housing mount so that yeah. when it actually sits on it, it sits on it perfectly like you've actually hoved it. So, uh, yeah. That's cool. It's just mind-boggling you, in terms of what you can do. Have you have you ever considered uh, getting a 3D scanner um, for those kind of things? Or are you more oh, like, let's just do it old school, get a measuring Tape yeah, but I, I just do it all old school in terms of I've got a, a cheap uh, digital caliper, which I bought from one of our local stores here in Aldi. Best 15 yeah. bucks ever since. <laughs> but 
And yeah, Alty, really? That surprises oh, yeah. me. Mate, and uh, look, I'll tell you what, just uh, as I said, it's all a learning curve. You know, the amount of times you'll you design something, print it, it's not exactly right. You'll yeah. re- reprint it or redesign it, reprint it again as well. That's half the fun of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as, you know, like with anything, right, the more experience you've got, you, you learn certain tricks of the trade, uh, of which then, you know, your success factor increases as, uh, you know, as you become more competent. Nice. Yeah, yeah. But the beautiful thing about it is, as I say, that, you know, you can just make so many different mounts. As I alluded to earlier on, where I've got like a, a 1994 vehicle. I've actually, you know, uh, 3D printed um, a Bluetooth adapter, which is in- integrated to the dashboard. It looks quite good. Uh, a lot of the, the mounts for the buttons to open up the, the roller doors are all 3D printed. Um, nice. Yeah. That's wicked. And my golden rule is it, it, it has to look aesthetically good. It doesn't. Yeah, you know, if it looks like some someone's just hacked it, uh, it doesn't pass my. <laughs> I, I completely agree. <laughs> my standards. So it has to look good like, as well. Yeah, I feel like that's where a lot of people fall apart, right? With with or a lot of people's stuff falls apart with DIY. Like it's just yeah. sometimes it's again. I've seen stuff that's built and it's extremely aesthetic, uh, aesthetic, and it yeah. looks really nice. And then there's stuff where it's like, okay, this. I mean, it's. It, it is DIY. Sometimes it is a hack job, right? And it looks like that, right? And it's like, yeah, that won't uh, that won't fly with uh, with my partner, unfortunately. But yeah. So, like as an example, it's like show and tell, right? I've got something here to show you. I'll hope you can see. That's one of the um, the motion sensors, which yeah. as you can see here. See how it's see how it's kind of like curved on the bottom. That's where it actually sits on top of the picture roll perfectly. It just screws up on top, and it just looks brilliant. Oh, that's nice. So they're, they're the sort of things now, you can create. I've even got like hook. So that just sits yeah, on the yeah. picture roll. This is predominantly I've used in our um, in the ensuite. So where it's a, the smaller motion sensors are, are good for smaller confined areas. Yeah. Um, and in terms of that lithopane that I was telling you about, that's the, was that? So that actually sits on top of the okay, picture nice. roll and just lights up the ceiling. So it's pretty cool in terms of what you can do with it. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the motion sensors, are they using like just classic motion or are they using like MM wave um, for better like actual occupancy detection? So most of them are motion, but just recently mm-hmm. and within the last like eight weeks or so, that's when I purchased a couple of MM wave sensors and I've got one running in the, um, in the living room. And these things are yep. just brilliant. I just can't believe the ah. sort of data information you get out of the five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's mind so it's mind blowing. It's just amazing what you can do with them. Um and that thing has been absolutely bulletproof um as well. That was the missing link for me, especially in those main, you know, common areas. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Especially Which, with the line um, sentence yeah. you end up going with. Um it's uh uh, you're talking about in terms of the code itself. I'm not sure what the code is. I know it's it, no, it is like an actual, actual. Did you get like a five dollar one from AliExpress? Was it like is it a Bluetooth it was, one yeah, or is it? Yeah, it, it isn't. The, yeah, cool. I purchased both a long rectangular one and there's one that's kind of like it looks like a square, but not quite. I don't know the actual code name um, for yeah. the actual sensor yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I need to start looking into rolling my own because I'm getting sick and tired of my FP ones. Yeah, and and the um, cool thing about wiring all these things up and powering them as well is 
don't get me wrong. I, I, I think battery operated devices are great in terms of flexibility, but you know, just the environmental impact, always replacing batteries or what have yeah. you. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, I have it plugged in. It works. I've got the UPS connected to it anyway. Power goes out. It's just it, it's just a lot easier to manage. And for me, it's more around that environmental impact more so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think uh, we're going to leave uh, links to a video with John showing off some stuff um, from his 3D printer. Um, yeah. but, and we'll leave links to as much as we can in our show notes. Um, but, John, cool. thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thanks to you for letting me be on the show. Thank you. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.